The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Winter, spring, summer, fall. It doesn't matter what the calendar says. It's always baseball season and time for talking about your Minnesota Twins. This is the Twins Hot Stove Show, keeping you connected with your team with the latest news, moves, interviews, and more. We have the bases covered. Now, here is your host of the Twins Hot Stove Show, Chris Atterbury. Well, welcome back to the Twins Hot Stove Show. It's been a full day of Twins programming. We had Twins and Red Sox from Gorgeous Hammond Stadium earlier today, full pre- and post-game shows, and now into the hot stove. And the hot stove cooling just a little bit because, well, we're inching closer towards opening day, and we are now joined by uh, one of my favorite people to talk baseball with in the whole wide world, and that is the great Jim Cott, joining us in uniform from Fort Myers as uh, he takes a turn through camp as a special instructor right where he should be. And, Jim, i got to tell you, it's great to see you in uniform wearing those Twins colors. Uh, we've had this talk before. You never should have got out of that uniform uh, <laughs> as far as a lot of I think I speak for a lot of us. Uh, but you wore a uniform for so many years in the big leagues, and it has to be great to be back getting your hands on some of these young players. Yeah, it is, Chris. It's It's been a lot of fun. I've been uh, around this morning with Garvin Alston and, of course, my friend Bob McClure, who is uh, coordinating some of the minor league uh, pitching coaches and my former teammate Phil Roof. Actually, uh, I have the pleasure, if you want to call it that, I can walk around the field and see and work with players, but I don't officially put a uniform on. I have a Twins uh, jersey on, but uh, uh, I just kind of stay out of uniform and out of the way, but available to uh, to help Garvin and whoever. So it's, it's so far, it's been uh, the first day here. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Well, we've already derailed from my plans about what I wanted to ask you because you mentioned Phil Roof, and you guys go way back, and Phil Roof is uh, just a wonderful human being, first and foremost. He has the biggest hands of maybe anybody I've ever met in my entire life, and he still is out there throwing full BP sessions uh, at the tender age, what is he, 29 now? <laughs> yeah, Phil and I go back. He was, if you'd want to call it, my personal catcher for a while in 1971 and 72. And and even this morning, sitting in uh, in the coaches' room, minor league coaches' room with Phil and Joel Skinner and Stu Clyburn and, and some of the other coaches, uh, Rod Carew, Tony Oliva came in, and we were just talking simple stuff like pitching and hitting and what was important to Rod and Tony and and things that uh, worked for me might not work for kids today. But I think just those kind of conversations, particularly with the minor league coaches, and then I've also able to do it with some of the pitchers, uh, talked to Phil Hughes for a while this morning. I think those are the kind of things that just uh, without saying anything profound, you might come up with something that will help them, and uh, that's rewarding. Yeah, there's a lot of baseball knowledge. You talk about the folks in that room that you just casually mentioned uh, coming in. Now, we're going to talk about uh, some of the things going on in the game today, but before we do that, we do need to take a little dip down memory lane, and Gino here has queued up one of uh, one of your moments. You, you remember what this one felt like in real time? Counter lanes, two spikes on Don Zimmer. The Twins are leading 2-1. Two, two out in the center ninth inning of a fast-moving ball game. Pitch. Strike three. The pitcher on the pivot. Jim Cott with a great performance here after a rocky start. Settled down and he struck out 10. As he got the last two men on strikeouts in the game. Last three out of four. The Twins got only three hits in the game against the gallant fate record in the Washington club, but the Twins have won the pennant. 
Do you remember that one? Oh, it still uh, still makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. And, uh, and of course, uh, as time went on, I became very close friends with Don Zimmer. And Zim thought that was one of his last at-bats in the big leagues before uh, before he went to Japan. But Frank Quillacy knocked in uh, the lead run, I think, back in the fourth inning with a sacrifice fly, and uh, we made it stand up. So, yeah, that, that, that ranks up there with one of my uh, biggest thrills in baseball to pitch that clinching game and, and be on a pennant-winning team, which is something that the Senators and Twins organization had not done for a long time. I think they could have got you more than three hits, huh? Geez. Well, were, that's, walking that's, the tight that's, all it, that's all it took that day, <laughs> so that was good enough. Now, the one big difference, and you and I have talked extensively about this. You're very active on social media. You're on all sorts of different media platforms. The one big difference between that highlight that we just heard and something that might happen if and when the Twins were to clinch a pen of this year is you started the game and you were still out there to get the final out. Now, we know that uh, as much as Jack and, and Bert and yourself and a lot of us would like to see more of that, probably not going to happen, the type of money that's being poured into these bullpens. With that being the new reality, how do you go about uh, still instilling in starting pitchers? You mentioned you were talking to Phil Hughes. The desire to want to be out there for 27 outs or the need to, to not think of yourself as a five-inning guy. Well, I, I think most of them do think that way. I say most of them. But the way the game is geared, uh, it, it would be hard for me if I were pitching today, say I threw a little bit uh, uh, harder than I did in my prime. We were interested in control and movement. It would be very tempting to say, look, if I, if I pitch the first inning like it's the ninth inning and go a little more full out, I know after five innings they're going to the bullpen because uh, just for a quick, aside the Yankees and uh, talking to Aaron Boone the Yankees have 10 pitchers that throw 97 or more so when that gets to the sixth inning they're they're going to those guys and the starting pitchers know that so uh, our object in my day was to try to get through the batting order the first time minimum number of not number of pitches but don't use all the pitches you have try to get by with as many fastballs don't worry about strikeouts so that mentality has changed, and, and I can accept that. I, st- I still think there's value in the complete game to, uh, to rest the bullpen, but uh, a pitcher has to really be on top of his game and uh, pitching economically to be able to make that happen today, and, and I understand that. I'll tell you what, I was talking to Phil Hughes. I was talking to Garvin Alston, the pitching coach today, and this was back in the 60s. Johnny Sane, when we were on a four-man rotation, and some teams were looking for that fourth starter, John said to me, the day will come when the number four starter will be a bullpen game where three relief pitchers will pitch three innings each. And then he said, and I can see the day coming when a pitcher that can pitch one inning is going to be valuable. And I said, John, you mean I could just go out there and, like, get three outs? And that would be valuable to a team just pitching one inning. That doesn't make sense. Well, we know it does. That's, yeah, what teams, that's what teams are doing today. And Johnny kind of predicted that 50-some years ago. Yeah, not the only thing Johnny Sane was right about. That's uh, <laughs> certainly a guy with a great mind. Now, you are an unbelievably intellectual pitcher as well in terms of making adjustments. You don't pitch as long as you did without being a great athlete and obviously knowing the ins and outs of the game so well, Jim. Uh, and Jim Cott is our guest here on the Hot Stove Show. So let me ask you this. Uh, we see all this launch angle, uppercut swing, strikeouts don't matter, let's hit the ball in the seats. It's going to lead to a different approach, is it not, from pitchers? Is there now a 
a new hole you can find in those uppercut swings? And are we going to see a run of pitchers trying to maybe throw hard up in the zone now to try to take advantage of that? Well, that, it's good that you mentioned that because, again, talking with uh, with Phil Hughes and Phil Roof down around a table in the Twins clubhouse, uh, I used the Tito Francona, uh, manager of the Indians, I used his quote where Tito said, well, with all these hitters concentrating on launch angle, if to- uh, Corey Kluber pitches him down and away, you can clock their exit velocity going from the batter's box back to the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> and I also had a, a conversation with Don Mattingly. I live over on the other side of the state, and I go to the uh, Marlins camp, Cardinals camp of Fairmount, and talking to Donnie about the launch angle from a hitting standpoint. And it's going to make uh, the high fastball uh, much more important. The problem is, unless they can somehow... Uh, get word to the umpires through through Major League Baseball that they have to go back to the letter high strike being mm-hmm. a legitimate strike. As a left-hander, if I were pitching today, I would like to be Randy Johnson pitching up and in and Jamie Moyer pitching down and away. So I would go very soft and slow down and away because they – uh, you know, even though they say they're launching the ball, everybody has launched the ball for years. It's it's just they the swing starts, and you could talk to Rod Carew, Tony Oliva. The swing starts on a downward plane. It has to because the the bat's up above your head, and and but eventually you reach the bottom, and then the ball goes. Now what guys are trying to do is drop that back shoulder, and launch it a little earlier. But I think it really makes them susceptible to a high inside fastball and something slow, low and away. And and the pitchers know that. It'll be interesting to see uh, who gets the best of that. That, of course, the voice of the great Jim Cott. Pleased to have him with us on the Twins Hot Stove Show. He is in Twins Camp. Now, you're going to hear more from Jim a little bit later in our show. Oddly enough, because we're not very smart, we're not going to do three cuts with Jim Cott, considering that he is the last Twins pitcher to hit a home run in a game. We probably should have let him uh, dig into the batter's box, but we will continue our conversation with Jim a little bit later in the Twins Hot Stove Show. In the meantime, we're going to hear from Thad Levine, Lance Lynn, also tell you about how to get into Target Field. It's all coming up on your home for Twins Baseball. Well, welcome back to the Twins Hot Stove Show. Chris Atterbury with you. Glad to have you with us, whether it's via Facebook Live, maybe you're tuning in across the network, or maybe, just maybe, you're podcasting us. We are podcastable wherever you go. For your favorite podcast entertainment, you can find us. And if you were listening across the network today, you heard Lance Lynn, newly acquired right-hander, a workhorse from the Cardinals organization, signed as a free agent by the Twins, made his debut yesterday. You heard him live from the dugout chatting with Corey and Danny during the ball game, and I think they had an obvious question for him, and that is, considering that he'd been working out in a camp with other free agents but not in a team atmosphere, does he feel as if he's where he needs to be at this point of spring? I want to say just a touch, but with what we have going on with the off days and uh, the start of the season and the little extra days before the start of the season, I think we have three days and uh, before the, even the start of the season. So there's going to be a chance to catch up and get four starts, it looks like. And that's, for me, if I get four starts in where I can get up to 90 pitches and, and six or so innings, that's right where you want to be by the end of spring anyways. He certainly didn't evidence any rust in his first start against Baltimore, three scoreless innings. He did not allow a hit. He struck out five men, and he talked about the outing. 
when we went uh, in the bullpen, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do, uh, establish my fastball in and out, um, mix in both sides of the plate with it, and then go from there with the off-speed stuff. I threw uh, three of the four pitches, uh, and then, uh, you know, fastball was working pretty well, and then mixing a few good curveballs here and there, and, you know, uh, next time out I'll be able to mix in some more. That's the voice of Lance Lynn. Now, he's pretty stoic in talking about his dynamic first outing as a Minnesota Twin. General Manager Thad Levine was a little more effusive in his praise. I mean, that was spectacular. I mean, you know, you, you hear scouts talk about a guy uh, and, you, and you hear about the strike throwing and you hear about the presence on the mound and the competitiveness. When you see it in person, I mean, it, you know, yesterday almost couldn't have gone better. And I think, you know, what, it, what I don't want to underscore is just the emotions associated with coming into a clubhouse for the first time. He had a press conference earlier in the day. He's trying to go out there and probably do a little bit more than maybe normal. And for him to deliver with all those emotions, Against a very good lineup, I think that was a, that was a heck of a start for him. Yeah, pretty good start indeed. And the Twins eager to see not only what Lance Lynn does every five days, but also his impact on the rest of this clubhouse. Again, he's not a guy who's going to be uh, real fancy about it. He's going to go about his business, a very workmanlike approach. And that's how he kept himself lined up and lined out and ready to perform at the drop of a hat, even without a contract in what was certainly a strange offseason. Yeah, you're just waiting for uh, someone to just make a move, I think, was the big thing. It was everybody was kind of just standing pat, and teams didn't want to uh, kind of move off of the top target because the top target weren't making any uh, decisions, it seemed like. Um, you know, you don't know what guys were getting offered or what they were or weren't, um, but you're sitting there just kind of waiting, and you know you're talking to a bunch of teams, but nobody's making things happen until the top guys go off, it looked like. Yeah, and that's Lance Lynn, a guy who turned down the qualifying offer of $17.5 million, signed a one-year deal now, just over $12 million, but he's out to show what he's worth here this year with the Twins. Now, the market and what's driving the market, or in this case, not driving the market, that's been a topic that Thad uh, Levine has been uh, certainly uh, asked about an awful lot in a lot of different ways over the course of this offseason. I think we've been asked the question all offseason, why, why are things going so slowly? And I, I think we would be disingenuous to sit here and say that we, we kind of felt that this was going to happen. We were very clear on our objectives this offseason. We wanted to bolster our, our pitching, both starting and relieving, and, and quite frankly, both in the major leagues and the next line of defense in the minor leagues. We tapped into 36 pitchers last year. We went to the playoffs. I think it's very rare to be able to say both of those things in the same sentence. And so we were aspirational of helping at the major league level, but also really bolstering that group that we knew were going to have to come up and help the team at some point in the course of the season but maybe weren't going to be there on opening day. Hopefully we've addressed both ends of that. Uh, you know, as we're starting to map out our AA and AAA rotations and bullpens, I think we're, we're pretty excited about that group. You know, there's, there's some guys who are going to help us win some ball games, whether that's 2018 or beyond, I don't know. But sure, there's sure going to be opportunities, and we, I think we feel a little bit better when we're going to dip down into the minor leagues than we did this time last year. Yeah, that's Thad Levine. And again, case in point, some of the guys who were just sent out, again, sent back to minor league camp even before St. Patrick's Day. Guys like Aaron Sleggers, Fernando Romero had been the talk of camp. John Curtis has some big league time. And Alberto Mejia, who began last year in the rotation. And there will be more to follow, so cultivating some major league experience and depth in the minor leagues 
And that's what you can do when you go ahead and sign three veteran relievers to add to your bullpen. Then you go out and sign a couple of starters as well. And don't forget about Michael Pineda, who's inked, uh, but probably will not pitch until next year or the return to health of a guy like Trevor May. So a lot of things trending the right direction. We certainly uh, appreciate both Lance Lynn and Thad giving us their time here today during our game broadcast and, again, right here on the Hot Stove Show. We'll stick around. Uh, we've got more to come on the Twins Hot Stove Show. Jim Cott is lurking with more of his uh, one-of-a-kind wisdom. We'll also give you some insight into different uh, things that are going on here at Target Field that you won't want to miss. It's all coming up right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to the Twins Hot Stove Show. Chris Atterbury from our network headquarters here at Target Field. We safely got through a pregame lineup card and a postgame download without breaking anything in the studio. So it's been kind of a win for us here uh, as we begin year 12 uh, without hopefully breaking the equipment before the games count for real. We've got a couple of things we want to share with you. One, the Twins today announcing plans for the 2018 Spring Pass. I remember last year it was April and May for like $99. This year it's just April. There are 13 home games in April if you take away the home opener. So get the home opener out of there. The rest of the April home games, all 13 of them, you can get into the ballpark for just 49 bucks. That's amazing. Go to twinsbaseball.com slash spring pass. Now you'll get the tickets on your mobile device. If you're like Gino or me and you can't figure it out, ask a teenager. They'll help you out. And then you figure out how to get into the ballpark. Now you don't get a seat. You get into the ballpark, ballpark access, and then you can go from there. So again, the spring pass, twinsbaseball.com slash spring pass. And while you're at it, don't forget about kids opening day. Sunday, April the 8th at Target Field. First 5,000 kids, 12 and under will receive a TC Front Pocket t-shirt. Who wouldn't want that? Plus, between now and March 23rd, you can enter for a chance to participate in special kids opening day pregame activities at twinsbaseball.com slash kids opening. Tell your kids they'll love you forever. Stick around. You'll love us forever because more Jim Cott when we return to the Twins Hot Soap Show on your home for Twins Baseball. Jim Cott is our guest, always uh, full of insight. And you mentioned you, you stopped over at Cardinals camp occasionally, and obviously you played for the Redbirds as well. New Twins edition Lance Lynn, former Cardinal. Uh, he had a very strong debut yesterday. And when you talk about guys who, who, who don't burn up their repertoire, who can throw up and in, and who can work off a fastball, boy, Lance Lynn has to be your sort of guy. I talked to the Cardinals. I was actually having dinner with my friend Tim McCarver and then their uh, voice of the Cardinals, Danny McLaughlin, Danny Mack, when this transaction came down. And I said, give me a little background on Lance Lynn. And they said, oh, you're going to love him. He, he wants the ball. He loves his fastball. He pitches with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and he's not afraid to, to challenge hitters. He's not, uh, not afraid of contact. And uh, I think that's uh, you know that's a great recipe right now. Obviously, you have to have more than just a fastball, but uh, I think Lance comes over with that uh, with that sort of reputation. And I think what's happened in the marketplace this winter, when guys like Lance uh, kind of got burned in thinking there might be some lucrative three four year deals out there, is there's even that added motivation to know that uh, one good year here with the Twins can can suddenly be uh, very financially rewarding. Yeah, the other long time not-so-secret secret in the game, Jim, is if your team wins, everybody makes money. It's one of those deals where when, when the collective is successful, it's amazing how individuals tend to get paid. Oh, no question. And I, I think uh, in looking at the Twins, you know, you look at their lineup, and they're so athletic, they have speed, they have enough power. 
Uh, but it's always been, you know, do they have enough pitching? It was that way back in 65 when we finally won the pennant. You know, we had Harmon and Bob Allison and Tony and guys that could hit. But that year we finally pitched well. We played good defense, and I think the same uh, scene is sort of uh, on stage for the Twins this year. And uh, Derek Falvey and the front office staff have gone out and added a lot of veteran pitchers, uh, you know, to the to the staff, free agent pitchers that uh, – could upgrade that pitching staff, and, you know, Cleveland's going to be a tough team to beat, but uh, the Twins could could very well qualify for postseason play again. You talk about defense, and nobody knows more about defense from the pitcher's mound than you do. Have you had a chance to work with this group specifically, defensive positioning, defensive uh, uh, ideas in, in terms of making sure that the guy who throws the, the pitch to start the play also becomes a ninth defender? Well, I spent some time this morning with Garvin over on uh, the backfield where they have the traditional PFP, pitcher's fielding practice, and I just passed on some things that I learned early in my career from Eddie Lopat about getting off the mound in a hurry with long strides, getting over to first base on every ball hit to the right side, and uh, ways to direct traffic when there's a pop-up on the infield. It's just simple stuff, but uh, fielding for a pitcher doesn't require a lot of skill. It requires anticipation and and drilling in spring training, training yourself, every ball hit to the right side, get over to first base. If the first baseman goes in the hole toward right field, you want to be there in position to be a first baseman. So just little reminders like that that helped me. Uh, I went over with the pitchers, and, you know, I'll be here for a couple of days. I said, hey, if you got any any questions, I'm here, and uh, if they have questions, I'll be happy to answer. You mentioned a couple of days. How long uh, do we get the benefit of uh, your wisdom in camp, Jim? Well, I'll just be here for two days. Uh, the sponsors are coming in tomorrow, and, of course, my you know my main uh, assignment with the Twins is not, not necessarily as a, as a coach or an on-field addition, but it's uh, to kind of help Dave St. Peter with uh, making appearances. A lot of the sponsors are coming in tomorrow. They're having a big party here at the Hyatt down in uh, Bonita Beach, where I'll probably uh, do some Q&As with the sponsors that are here. So those are the kind of appearances that uh, I will mainly make for Dave uh, Twins Hall of Fame in August. And then whatever uh, Molly and Garvin, whatever they want on the field, uh, they have my good friend Bob McClure there as sort yeah. of a, a pitching uh, counselor, and you can't get any better than Max. So, But uh, whatever they'd want, if uh, something comes up, uh, I'd be available. Jim, it's fantastic to have you back officially in the fold once again. And, again, uh, your insights uh, welcome certainly uh, across Twins Radio whenever you drop by. And it's uh, great to, to have you in camp and to have you uh, hands-on in the organization once again. We appreciate your time as always. And we'll let you get back to working with, uh, with your crew, though, and make sure that Roof picks up the dinner tap. All right. Thank you so much. That's, Enjoyed visiting with you. Ah, the great Jim Cott. You could talk to him about pretty much anything for a long time. Long time. We appreciate Jim Cott handing us some of his valuable time here today as he is in Twins Camp for a couple of days. Also, our thanks to Lance Lynn and Thad Levine who joined us during our game broadcast today, and all of you for joining us here on the Twins Hot Stove Show. Now, amazingly, the uh, fire is beginning to go out. The hot stove getting cooler by the moment. We will not have a hot stove show a week from tonight. There'll be a ball game on instead. I hope you'll join me for that from Florida. And our final hot stove show will be on the eve of the season opener, Wednesday the 28th. We hope to corral Jack Morris and Paul Molitor, as uh, I like being the only non-Hall of Famer in any given room. And uh, we'll kind of maybe do a little preview of the year 
Paul Mahler Show style for our final hot stove show. Again, that's in two weeks. Thanks for joining us tonight. This is your home for Twins Baseball.